0: I'm so glad you're joining us on today's edition of Awakened to Grace. We are in Joshua chapter 2, and we are in week 2 of a series called Triumph. Today, we are introduced to a very special lady named Rahab. And we're going to see how God's plan unfolded for Rahab, not only in the book of Joshua, but throughout the rest of the New Testament. And how this woman, who was indeed a pagan prostitute, will one day find herself in the very lineage, in the very family history of Jesus Christ himself. And the point of today is that if Jesus Christ was not embarrassed to have a prostitute in his family history, then he's not embarrassed by my sin or your sin, and he's not embarrassed to claim us as his own. I'm so glad you're listening to today's episode. If you are a listener and you are growing in your faith through Awaken to Grace— then I want to invite you to check out our website, uh, awaken2grace grace.com And at the footer at the bottom, you'll notice a link called Grace Givers Community. And I want to invite you to explore Grace Givers. And if you're growing through Awaken to Grace, then consider sending a gift to Awaken to Grace to help us reach many more people through many different platforms. I'm glad you're listening today. And I hope today's sermon builds your faith. The title for today is Scarlet Thread Household Salvation. For those of you who are praying for the people that you most love, whether that is brother, whether they're brothers or sisters, perhaps it's a mom or a dad, a spouse, a child, a grandchild, whatever the case. For those of you who are praying and you are believing God that salvation is going to come to your household. Well, I have good gospel news for you today. I want to introduce to you today Perhaps some of you grew up in church and you know about this lady named Rahab that we meet in Joshua chapter 2. Maybe you know some of her stories. Perhaps you've heard the story before, but then maybe there's others of you that you've never heard of Rahab, or at least you've never paid attention to who she was and what the Bible has to say about her. Rahab was an exceptional woman. She didn't start out exceptional. In actuality, she was a wreck. She was a mess. She was headed toward a path that had no future. And Rahab's life was not all that good but there was something that set Rahab apart. There was something that made her different that not only do we see in Joshua chapter two, but we see in three other places centuries later in the New Testament. And so much so that we see today in 2020 that even in our day today, we're gonna look at her story and we're gonna marvel and we're gonna see the rich grace of God. And it's such a testimony All of these millennia, millennials later, all these centuries later, her story is still remarkable. Rahab, just to give you a little background about her, was not a churchgoer. (laughs) Rahab was not religious. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a pagan. Rahab lived within the walls of Jericho. Now, in a few weeks, when we get to the Jericho story, I'm going to tell you a great deal about the walls of Jericho. But what we need to know for this Sunday is that this was a massive, fortified city. The walls were incredibly tall, incredibly thick, and no one could have penetrated the walls. No army could have overthrown the city of Jericho. And Rahab, the harlot, Rahab, the prostitute, the Bible teaches that her home was literally built inside the walls, that she actually had a window outside the great walls of Jericho. And what we're going to see about Rahab today is that not only was she a pagan, not only was she a prostitute but it wasn't those things that forever marked her life. It wasn't those failures. It wasn't those sins. It wasn't those mistakes that marked her destiny, that marked her future, and it most certainly did not mark her eternity. Hallelujah. What marked Rahab was her great and precious faith. Not only was she a pagan, not only was she a prostitute, but... This woman, God gave to her precious faith. Why do I call it precious faith? Because 2 Peter 1 calls it the very great and precious promises of of God. And Rahab experienced that. So let's begin with Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. We saw last week the transition that Joshua went through. We saw the instruction Joshua was given in chapter one and we saw the action, the obedience that he took in all in chapter one. We saw that at this, from this point on, we entitled last week, Losing Ground Already One because we said for 40 years, the children of Israel wandered around aimlessly in rebellion in the wilderness And for 40 years, they forfeited victory. They gave up land that was already won. They gave up land that God had already given them, promises that God had already made them, And so it is in our day today. Far too many Christians are wandering around in life absolutely aimless, with no purpose, with no destiny to fulfill. They're not holding on to the promises of God. They're not living in faith. They're not living in power. They're not overcoming sin. They're not overcoming doubt. But instead, they're just wandering throughout life. Well, Joshua came to a decision point. And Joshua said, in three days, we're going to cross over Jordan and we are going to take the land. It came to a decision point. And no longer was Israel going to give up land that had already been won. No longer were they going to forfeit victory that God had already promised. Would to God that we would come to that place. That we would come to a place where we say, no longer am I forfeiting my peace. No longer am I giving up my joy. No longer am I giving up happiness. No longer am I giving up contentment. No longer am I giving up faith. I'm gonna stand in the victory that God has promised me and I'm not gonna back up an inch. That's where Israel was. So Joshua in chapter, one of, uh, in chapter two, verse one, Joshua doesn't send out 12 spies like his predecessor. I think Joshua learned. I think he grew wise. You remember, Joshua was part of the original spies that went out. You know the story? They were at Kadesh Barnea, the border of Canaan, and Moses sent out 12 spies, one man from all 12 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 spies went out for 40 days and surveyed the land and surveyed the people and brought back the report on what they should do. And do you remember what Joshua and Caleb said? We should go at once and possess the land for we are able, God is with us. Do you remember what the 10 spies said? They said, no, we're not able to do this. We are as grasshoppers compared to the people of Canaan. We're not able to do this. And it so angered the Lord. Their unbelief so angered the Lord that his punishment to them was, you'll never see the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. You're gonna die in the wilderness. You're gonna wander for every year, that for, for every one day you were there, 40 days. That's going to be a year you're gonna wander in the wilderness until this generation dies off. And so now that Joshua is in charge, now that Joshua is leading the nation, he doesn't send 12 spies in. He doesn't send 10 spies in. How many does he send in? Two. Because Joshua learned the hard way. God doesn't care what the majority thinks. Do you live that way in your life? Do you care what the majority thinks? Do you care what's popular? Do you care what people think, what, what family tells you to do and friends tell you to do and all this and that? No, my friends, nothing is worth angering the Lord in your life. No one's opinion matters except the Lord's opinion. And do you live that way? Do you seek the Lord for counsel? Do you go to him and ask God, what do you think, Lord God, about my lifestyle? Not family, not friends, not others. What does the Lord think? And so Joshua, this time, he doesn't send the spies to tell him whether or not they should take the land because in Joshua chapter one, verse one and two, God tells him to take the land. So what's the purpose of the spies? Well, they're just on a Renaissance mission. They're just going to go cl- collect data, get information. But the question is not, should we? The question is, how smart can we be? Amen? I'm experiencing this right now with Awaken to Grace. As some of you know, the Lord has opened up many opportunities, many doors for us, and we are taking them. The Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day. I was curious, I was listening to some of the primary stuff going on, and it was actually there in the South Carolina primary, and they said there's 46 counties in the state of South Carolina. I knew there were 95 in Tennessee, so I started checking other states around, and how many counties does each state have, and then I asked my AI device, uh, because, you know, I can't see, so I can't look it up, so I I talked to Google all day, and Alexa all day, and (laughs) drive Sadie nuts (laughs) okay Sadie what time is it (laughs) she don't like to play that game but anyways um, I asked Google how many counties there were in the United States if I'm if I'm not uh, failing my memory there's 3,125 counties in the United States and right then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said Chad You are going to herald the gospel in all 3,100 plus counties in the United States. I'm going to allow you to do that. And I believe that God is going to raise us up to be a trusted spiritual voice in so many lives. And in this case, it's not, well, does God want us to? The only question is, how's the smartest way to go about it? How do we take the land? How do we go against giants like addiction in people's lives? Giants like suicide in people's lives? Giants like divorce that's ripping families apart. And when we look at the giants that are throughout the land, the question is not, is God going to give us the land? He's going to give it to us, amen. The victory is already promised. The only question is how is the smartest way to go about it and that's what we're trying to figure out right now what's the smartest way to do this and that's why Joshua sent out two spies and so these two men go and I think through the supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit they end up meeting this woman Rahab (laughs) They go to Rahab's house. Now, now l- let me show you a few things really interesting about Rahab. Uh, in, the, in, the original, in the original Hebrew of the Old Testament, uh, when, the, when the Old English calls Rahab a harlot, so we believe that she was a prostitute. But what the actual what the actual interpretation is of that word harlot in the original Hebrew could also mean a proprietress, an owner of a hotel, an owner of, the, of an inn. So could it be that she just rented out her home as a hotel, Motel 6 Jericho, you know, Jericho branch. And it could it be that she was just a nice, uh, you know, business owner, proprietress. No, that's not the case. Because what's interesting is Rahab's story doesn't end in Joshua 2 or in Joshua 6. She's actually mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 2. She's actually mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. In the great hall of faith. Now, isn't that something? And in James, in, in, uh, First Peter chapter two. In Hebrews chapter 11, she's mentioned as Rahab the prostitute. And the Greek word there for prostitute, guess what it means? Prostitute. (laughs) There's no wiggle room. (laughs) There's no other interpretation. (laughs) And so think about this. Rahab is listed right below Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the mother of the nation of Israel in the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. In the natural, Rahab had nothing in common with Sarah. But how many of you know, faith always makes the ground level. The ground is always level at the foot of the cross, amen? That's why Peter said in 2 Peter chapter one, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing to ours. Peter is saying, for those of you who are washed in the blood of Christ, for those of you that your sins are truly forgiven, for those of you that are born again, And you are authentically following Jesus Christ. Peter said, us, the great apostles who we put up here. Peter says, no, 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 no. You have a faith of equal standing to ours. Not because you're good. Not because you're Spiritual, Not because you're this or that, but only one reason. Peter says, to those who have a faith of equal standing to ours because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? It's the righteousness of Jesus that makes you clean, that makes me clean. It's the righteousness of Jesus that makes us worthy to stand before God, nothing else only the righteousness of Jesus. And friends, Rahab experienced this kind of righteousness. For see what she had was not just a faith. It was not a religious faith. It was not some kind of philosophy faith. It was not a belief in something. <clears throat> let me tell you, let me tell you a radio program that I would highly recommend you listen to. It's been around since 1950. And to this day, they're making broadcast. I think they're right now on episode 3600 and something. It's called Unshackled. Anyone ever listened to Unshackled? Yeah, some of you have. Oh, let me tell you how special it is. Unshackled is produced by the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. Pacific Garden Mission is the longest running rescue shelter in America. They've been going since 1877. And their doors are open day and night. And every day they house nearly a thousand men, women, and children. And they see life change after life change. Well, they produce this radio program of dramatized true life stories of people who have had their life changed by an encounter of Jesus and have repented of their sins and seen their life changed. It's my favorite program to listen to. And last night I was listening to a story of a man named Jeff Austin. It's their latest broadcast, I believe. And I was listening to his story. And he was sharing how uh, before he met Jesus, he had taken a portion of this religion and a portion of that religion and a portion of this religion. See, drugs had ruined his life. He went through rehab. It didn't take. There wasn't anything he could do to kick the addiction. And his life had just spiraled out of control. And it seemed as though there was no hope for him. And the only hope he thought he had was religion. And so he took multitudes of religion. He took Buddhism and he took all these other things and he took a portion of each, even Christianity. And he tried to just bring religion into his life, but he found that was even more empty. And it wasn't until one day, he was listening to the audio version of the Bible and he heard the story of doubting Thomas. And it was then through that scripture that the Lord put faith In Jeff's heart, to believe in Jesus Christ, to really put his hope, to really put his trust, and to repent of his sins. And from that day, Jeff has been a different person, amen? He was saved. He was changed. As the program says, he was unshackled. My friends, there is a difference between religious faith and saving faith. And what Rahab had was a saving faith. Now, was she perfect? No. Hear this new believer. Watch her conversation with the two spies. So you can read the chapter for yourself. The men of Jericho find out that foreigners had come to spy out the land and that they had been to Rahab's Motel 6. They barge in and say, the men have been here, where are they? And this woman who's putting her faith in God still has a bit of a lying problem (laughs) and she can lie quite effectively. And she says, well, it's true, two men came here but I didn't know where they were from, lie number one. (laughs) I didn't know what they were doing and I don't know where they went. Before the gates shut for the night, they went out the gates. If you go pursue them, you'll overtake them. Go get them. Boy, she's good. (laughs) She could really tell a tale. When they left, she went up to the roof where she had hid them. Now, before we judge her too harshly for her lying, now, because this is recorded in the Bible, does this mean that God approved of her lying? No no more than he approved of King David's lying, no more than he approved of Abraham and Sarah's great lie, no more than he approves of your lying or mine. So let's don't be too harsh on Rahab. So (laughs) she goes up and she tells the spies, and watch this, watch this. Say amen if you're with me right now. I know it's spring forward Sunday, but we're gonna gonna get something out of this. Listen to what she tells the spies. We know that the Lord's with you. When we heard how God dried up the Red Sea, when we heard of all the victories that God has given you, all the kings that you've overthrown, listen to what she said. She even named them by name. And watch what she says. When we heard these things, there was no spirit left in any man in Jericho. And then watch what she says. She knew that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel was a personal God. For notice what she says. Your God, (laughs) look at the faith that she had. Your God has given you the land. And I know this. Your God has given you the land. And not only is he the God of this earth, but notice what she says. He's the God of heaven above and the earth beneath. Do you know what stands out to me, my friends? This pagan prostitute, this pagan prostitute woman had more faith than the 10 spies who scouted out the land. Isn't that unbelievable? She believed more in who God was and the promises that He made than even what the 10 spies who were supposed to believe God. Can you see why their sin was such a great offense to the God Almighty? That a pagan prostitute would have more faith than his own people would have. I don't want to be in that boat. No, it was God who put faith in her heart like that. And so she asked the spies I know that your God's going to give you the land, for he's the God of the heavens above, the earth beneath. What can I do to be saved? How can I be rescued? And they made a covenant that night there in Motel 6 of Jericho. They made a covenant. And listen what the spies told her to do. Take this scarlet thread or this scarlet rope or this scarlet cord. Why was it scarlet? <laughs> because there are no mistakes with God. There are no coincidence with God. What was God gonna show for generations to come? It's only by the blood. Amen. And they make a covenant. And the spies say, take this scarlet thread, this scarlet rope, this scarlet cord, and hang it out your window. And when God gives us Jericho, have your whole household, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, and all who belong to them, have them in your house, and they'll be saved. Wow. So she lets them out the window. They escape. They go and they report to Joshua all that had happened. And they said, surely the Lord is with us. We're going to take the land. But you know what? That's not the end of Rahab's story. Let me tell you a couple more pieces of her story and then I'm finished today. Rahab is going to be mentioned again in in Joshua chapter six when the walls collapse in Jericho. When we reach that portion of our study, I'll tell you a great deal about the walls of Jericho, a lot about the walls. Archaeologists have told us a lot. But when those walls fell flat, they could still see that scarlet thread she and her whole household were saved. And you know what the end of Joshua 6 tells us? Is that Rahab, this was written in Joshua's day, and it says, and to this day, Rahab lives in Israel. Friends, she was adopted in to the family of God. This pagan prostitute who had no future, who would have ended up in hell, who would have never known the love of the Lord, God adopted into his family. Now, let me tell you something stunning if you don't know this. If you go to Matthew chapter one, there's a few women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, that in itself is unbelievable because see, in the days, in the Roman days that the Bible was written, do you know that women were never mentioned in genealogies? Women were treated so poorly. They were given no rights. They were given no voice. They at times were seen less than second-class citizens. But do you know, friends, it is the Bible that elevates women. Read Proverbs 31. It is Christianity that elevates women. It is God who elevates women. And so in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, literally in his family history, do you know who we find? Rahab the prostitute. In the very family lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is this foreign prostitute. You know what that tells me? That if Jesus Christ gets glory and is not embarrassed by a prostitute from Jericho being in his family background, then friends, he is not embarrassed to have you or I in his family history. He's not embarrassed to claim us No matter what our failures have been, no matter what our past has been, no matter what mistakes are in our past, let me tell you, Jesus Christ is able to forgive it and is able to move past it. For he has Rahab, the harlot, in his family lineage. Is that not a story of grace? Is that not a trophy of grace today? That Jesus would include Rahab in his family lineage? I don't know about you, but that absolutely staggers me. And what it tells me is what God did in Rahab, he does in us. A few weeks ago, we were studying the Living Stones passage out of Peter in our small group. And I love that passage that the Bible calls us living stones. When I would go to Cairo, Egypt to preach, I would tell the people, I'm not here to see the dead stones of the pyramids. I'm here to see the living stones of Jesus Christ. And they would smile so beautifully. And they precious people and the people of God. And so we were studying this passage of the living stones. And it's then that I, Came across, I didn't know this, in Solomon's day when they built the temple. They didn't want any noise going on around the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord, so they went off site into the rock quarries to hew the stones for the temple. And when they transported them back miraculously, they fit together. <laughs> and we, the body of Christ, the living stones, we fit together building up the body of Jesus Christ and in the same way and just like the Lord did in Rahab, the Lord does for us today. What Jesus Christ does is he goes to the rock quarry of sin and there he chooses stones for himself, living stones among the rock quarries of sin. And he hews us out and he claims us for himself. And he's not embarrassed by you. He's not ashamed of you. And you may be embarrassed by your past. You may be ashamed of who you've been or maybe even who you are today. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ is not ashamed of you today. For he's went to the rock quarry of sin and he has hewed us out for his own glory, for his own possession, for his own salvation. And that's what he did for Rahab. And that's what he'll do for you. So today, maybe you're like Rahab. Maybe there's nothing special about you. Nothing special about where you're headed or who you've been. But maybe what's really special about you is God has put faith in your heart. Not a religious faith, but maybe right now, even while I'm preaching, God is putting a saving faith in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, you're mine because I chose you, because I want you. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Holy Spirit, will you minister to every heart in this moment, every heart in the building, every heart listening online, even those who will listen years from this date of 2020. Minister to our hearts, Holy Spirit. I don't know where you are with the Lord but I know where God wants to be with you today could it be that even this morning God has found you in the, in the rock quarry of sin maybe even as early as last night you've been in sin but yet Jesus is seeking you drawing you And that's why you're here today. It's because the Holy Spirit's drawing you. Will you surrender today? Will you yield? Will you surrender your life once and for all and say, Jesus Christ, I'm yours. If that's you today, listen, I'm blind as a bat, my friends, I can't see you. But the Lord sees you today. Oh, he knows you. He knows you so well and he's pursuing you. He wants your story to be Rahab's story. I wanna invite you, my friend, whoever I'm preaching to, male or female, I wanna invite you to this altar this morning. We have people right now who wanna come pray with you, right now who will come pray with you. Will you slip out of your seat, walk to this altar, And say, Jesus Christ, I give myself to you today. You found me, Lord. (laughs) You found me. You finally found me. Make me yours. Slip out of your seat right now. Come right now and yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yield to him. Move in faith. Move in faith. Oh God, I thank you for Rahab's story. I thank you, God, that her story is our story. It is indeed a story of grace. Thank you, God, that you rescued us. You didn't leave us in Jericho. You didn't leave us in our sin. You didn't leave us to a a future of hopelessness. But no, you came. You came. You came. You came. You came and you rescued. You came and you rescued. So today we put our faith in you, we put our trust in you, we put our confidence in you, asking you to give us your great grace, your great grace, and turn Rahab's into people of faith today. And now God, I wanna pray for our families. If you're here this morning or online and you have have family that are not saved, Brothers, sisters, father, mother, spouse, children, grandchildren, aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. Believe God today. Father, you saved, you rescued Rahab's whole household. You saved, Lord, in the book of Acts, Lydia, you saved her whole household. The Philippian jailer, Lord God, you saved his whole household. Crispus in the book of Acts, you saved his whole household. And God, may you save our entire household. Lord, we hold to your promises. Bring salvation in the coming weeks, in the coming months. Bring household salvation to us, Lord God. Household salvation. I thank you Lord God for what you're doing I thank you I thank you I thank you thank you for the triumph and salvation that is ours in the name of Jesus thank you that you always lead us in triumphal procession we give you honor and we give you glory in the name of Jesus amen